Do you have an idea for a story to appear on an extra glance? Do you have comments or questions about one of the episodes? Or would you like to engage Ed for an extended talk about one of the subjects he's covered? For any of these, email Ed at ed at edburk.net. Hi, my name is Ed Burke, and welcome to An Extra Glance, where I look behind the scenes of stories from the news and from history, this week looking at one of the most shocking terrorist attacks from the Troubles in Northern Ireland. Thirty years ago this week, on Sunday, November 8, 1987, people throughout the United Kingdom attended ceremonies at their local war memorials commemorating Remembrance Sunday, when the UK honors its dead from the two world wars. By 10.30 a.m., people were already starting to fill the square in Enniskillen, the seat of County Fermanagh in Northern Ireland. As is the case throughout Northern Ireland, most of the attendees were Protestants who supported continued union with Great Britain, as one might expect in a ceremony honoring the UK military. Soon, members of the Ulster Defence Regiment would be marching towards the memorial. The UDR was a regiment of the British Army established to maintain order in Northern Ireland and, from an Irish Republican perspective, to enforce the occupation of the country. On the previous night, the Irish Republican Army placed two bombs set to detonate during Remembrance Day ceremonies. They placed one of these bombs in Tullyhoman and called in a bomb threat. The Tullyhoman Remembrance Day ceremonies were cancelled, but the bomb did not explode. They placed the other bomb in a community centre near the War Memorial in Enniskillen. The bomb was set to detonate at 10.43, timed to coincide with the UDR's march to the memorial. They did not call in a threat for this bomb. Though there's never been a time of complete peace in Northern Ireland between British loyalists and Irish nationalists, the violent period known as the Troubles began in the late 1960s. Though the violence peaked in the early 1970s, it was still a significant part of Northern Irish life in the late 1980s. The bomb exploded on schedule with what should have been predictable results. The community center collapsed, crushing not the members of the UDR marching in the street, but the people gathered by the building to observe the ceremony. Eleven people died that day, ten private citizens and an off-duty police officer. More than half were in their 60s or 70s. Another man, Ronnie Hill, fell into a coma from which he never recovered, dying 13 years later. 63 people were injured. The IRA had committed hundreds of bombings in the previous two decades, killing close to 600 people per the Global Terrorism Database. But the reaction to this bombing was particularly negative. Even people sympathetic to the Republican cause were shocked by targeting a memorial ceremony and by a bomb that deliberately or not, killed private, mostly elderly citizens. Within a day, the IRA did something that they rarely did. They issued an apology. It was by no means a perfect apology. For instance, they suggested that the bomb might have gone off when the police scanned the area with high-frequency radio waves, even though they knew that the bomb was timed to explode as people were gathering for the ceremony. The fallout had real consequences for the IRA. One of their key backers had been Libya's Muammar Gaddafi, who considered the IRA to be partners in the fight against British imperialism. Libya had recently started supplying the IRA with arms and material, including the plastic explosive used in the Enniskillen bombing, but they withdrew their support 
stating that this attack was not part of legitimate revolutionary activity. The day after the attack, loyalist terrorists attempted a reprisal, shooting a man in West Belfast who they believed to be Catholic. However, the man they murdered turned out to be another Protestant. More reprisals seemed likely, but then something unexpected happened. Gordon Wilson, the father of 20-year-old Mary Wilson, the only young person killed in the attack, gave an interview on the BBC in which he claimed to harbor no bitterness towards the attackers. His statement seeking reconciliation seemed to deflate the calls for retribution, and there were no other killings in response to the bombing. As horrific as it was, many people see the Enniskillen bombing as a turning point. Republican sympathizers became more critical of IRA tactics. Unionists became more open to seeking a peaceful resolution. Although, if it was a turning point in attitudes, reality didn't reflect this for several years. 1987 was the deadliest year for IRA violence in eight years, but 1988 was just as bad. The violence didn't significantly abate until the mid-1990s. Finally, in 1998, the UK and Irish governments and a number of the Northern Irish political parties signed the Good Friday Agreement designed to bring about an end to the violence and limited self-rule in Northern Ireland. Implementation of the agreement has often been rocky, but the reduction in violence is real. A couple of footnotes to this story. The Enniskillen bombing found a place in pop culture. On the evening of November 8th, you 2 were performing in Denver and recording for an upcoming concert video. During Sunday Bloody Sunday, Bono gave a vitriolic rant condemning Irish-American support for Irish terrorism. This performance was included on the video for Rattle and Hum. The Tully Hummin bomb was found several days after the attack in Enniskillen. The bomb was situated such that, if the Remembrance Day ceremony had not been cancelled, and the bomb had detonated as planned, it would have exploded near a parade of boys' and girls' brigades. A memorial to the victims was dedicated on Wednesday. Although some people were arrested in connection with the bombing, nobody has ever been convicted. The bombing and its aftermath from several BBC sources, including History of the Enniskillen Bombing, Enniskillen Survivors Reflect on the Bombing, published November 8, 2012, and Enniskillen Poppy Day Bomb Memorial Unveiled by Louise Cullen and Michael Fitzpatrick, published November 8, 2017. Ages of the Victims from Remembering the Victims, published November 12, 2012, in The Impartial Reporter. Global Terrorism Databases housed at start.umd.edu. See you next time on An Extra Glance.